Now, here is the top news stories of the day with Larry Hardesty. Major League Baseball returned the play proposal expected within the week. Sources familiar with the discussions told Jeff Passan that MLB expects to offer a return to play proposal to the Players Association within the week as teams have begun to encourage players to prepare for, quote, spring, unquote, training that could begin in mid-June and a season that could start in early July. So Jeff Passan on SportsCenter was asked, so what happens if the season gets pushed to August or September? It's understandable that there are questions about a return in June or July because we still don't know what the country is going to look like next week as opposed to a month or two from now. So, yes, August is a realistic possibility in a contingency plan. And September is another realistic possibility and a contingency plan. And all of these things need to be baked into that original proposal that Major League Baseball is going to send over to the Players Association in the coming week or so because I think both sides need to be really understanding about this that as much as they want to get back on the field the realities out there publicly both politically and both health-wise really are going to be what's guiding baseball back and ultimately onto the field. So whether it takes form in an 80 to 100 game regular season as they're hoping for, or whether it looks like just one long tournament if things do get postponed until, say, September, baseball wants to be open-minded about how it returns as well as when it returns. Okay, so Jeff Passon was also on the Michael K show earlier today, and the boys asked him, what are the odds we have baseball on July 1? Probably about 25%. Everything, and I mean everything, has to go right for there to be games on July 1st. You have to get cooperation between MLB and the union. You have to get owners on board. You have to get politicians on board. You have to get scientists on board. You have to get testing handled. You have a lot of things to do logistically. Mark Teixeira, the former Yankee first baseman, was on with Freddie and Fitzsimmons, who follows us here on 98.7 ESPN. And the boys asked him, would he be comfortable playing now? This might be controversial. At young, healthy players that, that I've talked to are ready to play. They are sensitive, though, to everybody around them. So if you could put a player in a vacuum where he's not going to be carrying this thing, because you know, we hear all the stories of, of so many different people are testing positive and they never had any symptoms. So players are sensitive to the fact that there is a 70-year-old team trainer or there is a you know 75- or 80-year-old owner or, or GM or, or, or someone else that comes through the clubhouse. They, they want to be put you know away from anybody that could be vulnerable. But the players themselves... They want to get back to work. They want to get paid. These guys are a lot of these guys have have very short careers. Um, you know that this it's a small window of opportunity to prove themselves in free agency or whatever it might be. And and because they're young and healthy, they feel comfortable going out and playing this game. And if you called them tomorrow and said show up to spring training, they'd all be on the next flight. So Tex, a lot of talk about payment. A lot of talk about owners saying, you know, off the record, on the record, they would rather not be in action with no fans, meaning they're going to lose money. So would players of the league compromise on pay cuts? What I would do, I would I would do the NBA model, the NFL model, where it's almost pre-negotiated. Hey, if, if, the, if the industry makes X, the players get half, the owners get half, right? So you, you need to run some models, figure out what the industry's loss is going to be, for loss of games, 
loss of, of ticket revenue and all the stadium revenue that you usually get and basically say, okay, we now have a pie. We, we have a general sense of the pie. We're going to split it 50-50, and let's say it's 40% lower for the players. Well, if I have a million-dollar contract, now I'm getting six hundred grand, or, or, or $10 million, now I'm getting $6 million. I'll take that 40% hit because I know the owners are also taking a 40% hit, and I think that needs to be the partnership. It's a very important, it's a very important uh, term because truly this does not work without both sides taking less. And again, it's a TV contract too because right. all those, all that TV money is going to be. You don't know how many people are going to be watching. You don't know, you know, how many games can be played. So ESPN and, and all of these games that we play, we need to figure out exactly how much money that teams are going to make and say, I'm not going to pay you Major League Baseball full fare for 80 games or 100 games. And, and that needs to be the, the compromise that we all make. Last thought on baseball. Obviously, a lot of folks watching, watching uh, the Korean Baseball League, right? Early in the morning. So Buster Olney was asked, is MLB monitoring what is happening there with no fans? They're monitoring it, but it feels like uh, so much apples and oranges just because of where uh, South Korea is with uh, their fight against the coronavirus and where this country is. Um, you know, I talked to so many agents, so many uh, club executives, Major League Baseball officials who uh, just, uh, you know, would love to have a similar situation where you felt confident that you had a handle on testing, that you had a handle on how to keep players safe. But that, you know, those are the, the details you mentioned that have to be worked out. Um, I, I think what we have, you know, Jeff's reporting about uh, a plan going to the Players Association. I think we should think of that as like the first bricks of a foundation being laid. Uh, and you hope that the two sides are, are able to get to a place where they can agree on, on the, a lot of the other bricks because, man, they got a lot of things to work out. <laughs> There's no question about that. Moving to the NBA, the all-player conference call is set for tomorrow. That includes Adam Silver and uh, NBPA Executive Director Michelle Roberts will host a call on the same day. Teams can reopen practice facilities for voluntary social distancing workouts. So Mark Cuban on 77 Minutes in Heaven podcast was asked, are you going to open your facility Friday? Yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, you know, the, ch- the problem obviously is because we can't test people then we can't assure anybody's safety, um, whether they're basketball players or anybody else. Um, and even though we can try to take all different types of precautions, it's just not worth it. Uh, particularly when our guys are staying in shape and they're going outside and shooting on outdoor hoops and, you know, working out in various ways. So I just don't think the risk is worth the reward. Uh, there's no question about it. And now we're going to see how this changes because... You know, there's been talk about, like, Mike D'Antoni was determined to coach amid the coronavirus. Sources told ESPN's Tim McMahon that the 69-year-old would have no reservations about coaching. But there were some folks, off the record, despite his age increasing, the risk of severeness were concerned about Mike still being able to coach in this situation. Moving to the NFL, they tell teams to have their facilities reopening protocols in place by May 15th. The process will be gradual, beginning with select staff members, eventually expanding to players. According to a memo Commissioner Roger Goodell sent to all 32 teams that was obtained by ESPN. Owners are expected to have further discussions on the protocols during their May 19th virtual league meeting. So Jeff Saturday, who was on Golik and Wingo, the former Colt, 
now NFL analyst, says NFL teams should all have to reopen at the same time. If you get an advantage, and, and you and I, you and I have been in those locker rooms, we will we will take every advantage known to man in the NFL. I do think it would put an unfair advantage on on teams. And the other part is, it's not like all these guys live in the same city. So you know, guys traveling from wherever to live wherever to play wherever, all of those different things. I, I do like the fact that it's kind of an all or none for the NFL. It does. It, to me, it makes it feel um, like there's more solidarity that the league has has more of a of a of a of an input into what each team is doing. So I actually appreciate it that way. And now, just a couple of remembrances. Let's take you down memory lane tonight. First, on this day in 1989, Michael Jordan hit the shot over Craig Elo. A couple of footnotes: Elo outscored Jordan eight six in the final three minutes and five to four in the final minute. Chicago was a significant series underdog, plus three fifty after going zero and six versus Cleveland, minus five hundred in the regular season. But for me, my favorite one is 2016. The big fella. Okay for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one. Deep left field. That goes up to Back near the wall. It's out of here. Bartolo has done it. The impossible has happened. The team vacates the dugout as Bartolo takes the long trot. His first career home run. is one of the great moments in the history of baseball. Bartolo Colon has gone deep. I want to say that was one of the longest home run trots I've ever seen, but I think that's how fast he runs. <laughs> well, what do you expect? He was 42, 5'10", 260-ish. Joel, he was probably a double cheeseburger short at 290. <laughs> So he was going around as fast as he could. What's he? What do you think? He? What, you think he's trying to show up the the pitcher <laughs> by trotting around? No, that's how fast he went. Oh boy.